uh, church growth. Pretty simple. Pretty basic. We're going to grow this church. Amen. We're going to grow this church. I believe for the last two years, God has been doing and shifting and moving and, and reassuring that our foundation has been good. I know for me as a, as a shepherd here, that's, that, that's the one thing that he's put on my heart is that he said to me, Jamie, make sure the foundation's good. Go back and make sure the foundation is good. So what have we been doing over the last couple of years? We've been teaching foundations. I can't even get somebody to come to a foundations class anymore. Everybody's like, man, can't we just get a t-shirt and hang it in the closet and not come to foundation classes anymore? I mean, come on. I want to make sure the foundation is good, right? I mean, who wants to go pour a cheap foundation and build a beautiful house on top of it? So that when the storms of life come or the storms of this city or the storms of this nation come, we fall. Who wants to do that? Who wants to build something nice and beautiful on top of it and then when it falls have to go and clear it all out, just like after the hurricanes, have to go clear it all out and then start all over again? Who wants to do that? Any volunteers? Good. Let me show you something. When Jesus first spoke to his disciples, this, is what, this was his words to them. He said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. The very first words Jesus spoke to his disciples. Walks by a couple of them in the boat, right where they were, in their trade, doing their thing. Came and interrupted their life and said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. In other words, Jesus was saying, you're good at catching fish, but now I'm going to teach you how to catch men. Fast forward a whole three and a half years and look at the last thing Jesus says to his disciples. Go therefore into the nations and make disciples. Now the first thing somebody tells you and the last thing somebody tells you, if they're the same, they're usually pretty important, right? Go and make disciples. You know that call wasn't just for pastors. Come on. I should have got an amen somewhere. That wasn't just for pastors. Actually, it's really not even for pastors. It's for us to equip you to go and do the work of the ministry. Amen? That call is for you. I'm glad you're receiving this this morning and you're excited. and Man, you're just loving this thing already. I hadn't even got started yet. And I mean, somebody's about to pull out a white hanky. His first words are, come follow me and I'll, make, and I'll make you fishers of men. And his last words are, go make disciples of all the nations and teach them everything that I've taught you. You want to know what discipleship is? Discipleship is teaching somebody else what God taught you. You know, as parents, Cheryl and I are responsible to disciple our children. I didn't have a daddy present in my house and my mom did the best she could. So when we started having kids, I said, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. I need some help. And he spoke to me by his spirit, and he said, you just do to them what I have done to you, and you're going to be all right. You see, I believe today we make it too complicated. I believe we twist it up too much, and we make, we make too much of a little thing. Are you hearing me? I believe we make it so big that people think that they got to get a certificate or a doctrine just to go to the grocery store and preach the gospel. Isn't it funny how when you see new believers full of fire, they'll, they'll tell everybody they, they can about Jesus, right? Until what? Until they get churched. I'm guilty for messing people up. 
make disciples of all the nations. Teach them everything that I've taught you. That sounds simple, doesn't it? He didn't say go and get your, your stuff straight and make sure that your life is perfect and that nobody can argue with you and then go and preach the gospel. And then go make disciples. No, what did he say? Go and teach them what I have taught you. Go with me to Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Matthew 7, 21. We don't have any slides, so I hope you brought your Bible. I'm going to preach from Matthew 7 all the way to Matthew 10, so just hang on. I hope you ate a big breakfast. Maybe we can pass out some wafers about midway through. We'll, do, we'll stop and do communion. We'll fill you up real quick and keep on going. <clears throat> Matthew 7, verse 21. He's Jesus speaking. He says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Huh? What? Not everyone that calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. What? Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Watch verse 22. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. Watch this. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who broke God's laws. You see, I don't believe Jesus is, is as interested in the actions of ministry as he is in the obedience to his will. I don't believe prophecy is as important as doing the will of God. Listen to me. It's the individual will of God for each one of our lives. Are you hearing me? Every one of you in this room has a will for your life. God has a will, a purpose, and a plan for your life. And Jesus says, I don't care if you've prophesied. I don't care if you've cast out demons. If you haven't done the will of my Father. His big statement right there is the most important thing to me is that you do my will. Do you realize that all of us will be held accountable according to what we did with God's will for our life? And you might try to blame it on me. <laughs> well, Pastor Jamie didn't teach me that. I just did. So now I'm free. Amen? <laughs> we're all, we're all going to be held accountable for how we reacted to God's will. Now watch this. I'm going to skim through some verses. But the next thing Jesus starts talking to his disciples, basically the first thing he says is, is the will of God is the most important thing for you. You need to understand it. Yes, you're going to prophesy. Yes, you're going to cast out demons. Yes, you're going to do all these other things. But don't let them become a distraction. The will of God for your life is the most important thing. And then he said, talks about building. He gives a parable of building on a solid foundation. He tells him, he says, you've got to build your life on something solid. Jesus has a purpose for this. For this little parable right here, he has a purpose. He says, you need to get your business straight. You need to make, your, make sure your foundation is good. Because there's storms coming. Then he goes on, he heals the man with leprosy, then he... He heals many other people. Then they, him and his disciples, they get in the boat and they're going across the, the lake and Jesus is sleeping in the bottom of the boat. And the storm comes and the disciples start freaking out. Any of you ever been in a bad storm out in the Gulf? 
I was in one one time. It was six to eight foot swells. I was in a 32-foot offshore boat. And we put all the ladies back towards the engine because that's where it rides the best. And, you know, we had people got sick. They were puking and all this stuff. And I'm standing. I was going to thank God I didn't get seasick. It was my first time out in the Gulf. And so we're coming back in. I mean, it's just getting worse. They're getting up to like eight foot, nine foot. And so I'm standing by the, by the captain, and I'm hanging on to the headache rack. And the boat comes up, and it was like there was no wave underneath it. It just falls. Okay. Now, I'm over 300 pounds. I'm not going to give you any more details than that. I'm six foot three. It takes a lot to lift me, okay? I didn't get lifted, but the boat left me. I went airborne, and all I could do was grab the fetal position, okay? Just imagine that. Think about that for a moment because you'll start laughing. Six foot three, 300 plus pounds in the air in the fetal position. No. I hit the bottom of the boat. It was like, boom. And I, after that, I was like, I'm sitting with the ladies. I don't, I'm not being tough anymore. I'm sitting back where it rides good. I don't care. I was embarrassed. My wife was giggling at me. But it was crazy, but it got my attention, and I was scared. The disciples are scared. Jesus wakes up, and they're like, what are you sleeping for? You know what Jesus taught them in that moment? Don't let the things around you freak you out. Huh? Don't let the storms of life freak you out and get you acting all crazy. You know, as a pastor, a lot of times I see people, especially people that get that are coming and they're new and they, they want to get to know us and, and they got some issues, some junk in the trunk, and they come and man, any little thing happens. Ah, Pastor Jamie, oh my God. And I was there going, oh God, we got a new one. What's funny is when we got people that have been here for a while and you go, we still got a new one. Some of you will get that in a minute. But Jesus is telling his disciples, don't freak out when the storms of life come. And then Jesus heals the paralyzed man. And his disciples are right here with him, and they're watching all these things happen. This is discipleship. Then in the midst of all this, Jesus comes by this tax collector, and he says, hey, come follow me. Just like that. He sees Matthew and says, come follow me. So Matthew says, okay, I'll come follow you, but I'm going to throw a party at my house tonight. Let's pick it up in chapter 9, verse 9. As Jesus was, taught, was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at this tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple. Jesus said to him, so Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable, say disreputable. You did a good job saying that. Disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Now, this is the religious folk of the day. They're supposed to know more about God and everything else than anybody else does, and they're calling the lost scum. When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, not he had it. Now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. I want you to show mercy and not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, 
for those who know they are sinners. I'm going to stop here for a minute. There's plenty of people in this world that think they're righteous. They're self-righteous. They're prideful. They've been successful in this world. And they think that they got it all together. They're righteous. In their own eyes, they're righteous because of their lifestyle, because of their accomplishments, because they can dress and keep up with the times and all those kinds of things. You're right. You with me? But then you've got other people who know they're sinners. They know they're lost. And the funny thing is, is that most of these people live with a type of poverty. Almost like an inferior pride. Where they're, they're too prideful to ask for help. They're too prideful to receive anything from you. But it all comes out of the fact that they're lost. They're sinners. And they know that. Are you with me? Jesus was interested in those people. Why mess with prideful, self-righteous people? Like the teachers of the law. Right? Why waste your time with those people? That's why it's like when, when religious people come around, I'm like, yeah, okay, bless you, brother. I'll see you later. But when you see people who know they're sinners, who know they're lost, that's the people that got Jesus' attention. The reason Jesus went to Matthew's house is because he wanted to get next to those people. You see, the funny thing is that I believe Jesus already knew who Matthew knew and knew who he was going to be having supper with. Why does your teacher eat with such scum? That gives me two emotions, anger and sadness. Because you know what? I was scum one time. I was, I was a rotten son of a gun. I'm not going to lie to you. And I knew I was. So Jesus says, I want to show mercy and not offer sacrifices. You see, Jesus saw lost people as sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion for them. So if we, if we today, if we could take our minds and shift the way we see people outside these walls... If we can shift it from saying, well, them no good, lazy bums. If they would just quit buying all them beers, they could pay their electric bill. They quit smoking them cigarettes, they might could get healthy. Come on. If they quit going to Burger King and getting a double Whopper with cheese and a large fry and a Diet Coke, they might lose weight. Jesus saw people as sheep without a shepherd. And he had compassion for them. You know what? You, know, you, you, you can translate that like this, that Jesus saw people without a pastor. Because that word shepherd means a pastor. Somebody that's going to take, take care of them. Somebody that's going to equip them. Somebody that's going to make sure that they're growing spiritually. Listen, the reason I made boneheaded decisions before I met Jesus was because I was a lost sheep. Thank God somebody had mercy on me and decided to tell me about Jesus. We need to shift the way we see this world. Stop judging them, stop condemning them, and start saving them. I love the stories on, on the Go Big campaign where... where 
you know, we as moms, we bring our kids to church, but these kids have no parents that bring them to church. They just want to come to church. It touched my heart when I used to be a children's pastor and you would see kids that would beg their parents to come back to church again. The parents, they're trying to run out the door so they don't have to talk to anybody. And the kids are like, Mom, we had a great time. They don't want to leave children's church. Jesus said to show mercy. Then he gets into some discussions about fasting. Then he heals in response to faith. Then he heals the blind man. Then let's pick up in chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless. Doesn't that sound like the world outside of these walls? Confused and helpless. What do you see lost people doing? Chasing everything they see on the TV and the radio to try and fill a hole inside their life that will never fill it up. They're trying drugs. They're trying sex. They're trying everything known to man. Alcohol. All these things to try and fill a void. That it can never fill. Lost and confused. Confused and helpless. You see, I believe if we shift the way we see people in this community, we'll shift the way we do things. Amen? I can start preaching messages that, that encourage you, that teach you how to go and be a witness instead of teaching messages and preaching messages that say that are trying to convince you that you need to be doing these things. You see, I'm getting tired of trying to convince you. I'm ready for you to get it and then go do it. Amen. It's time to build. You've heard me say this before. Anything that God has his hand on grows. Right. It's supposed to grow. Your life has grown since you've met Jesus, right? The quality of your life should be better since the day you met Jesus. God puts you around some of the best looking people in Eunice. Amen. Come on, you look good this morning. You got your hair all done up and you're looking right. I did mine too and everything's good. Jesus saw the crowds and he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the fields. I can't build this church by myself. I cannot. I'm not that qualified. I don't have that much time. I definitely don't have that much energy. Are you hearing me? But you know what I do? I take advantage of every opportunity to share the gospel with somebody. I don't care if it's one of my employees who speaks about 10% English. We're going to figure out how to talk about Jesus. And most times it's a two-hour ride, and, and we need that because it takes two hours just to tell him who Jesus is. But that's all right. 
Are you with me? I take advantage of every opportunity to be a witness. Amen? I'm not flaky. I'm not trying to push nothing on nobody. I'm just trying to tell them about Jesus. Tell them that their life can be better. And not condemn them. See them with compassion. You see, the area that God's growing me right now is he's increasing my compassion for people. When I, two years ago when Pastor Bubba said this here, I ain't going to lie to you, I had about 5% compassion. That's why the numbers went from 100 to 50. People thought I was going to come tat-tat them, and it just didn't happen. Sorry. I told Pastor Bubba the other day, I said, you must be praying for me. He said, why? I said, because, man, I'm just getting heartbroken over people now. And people that I used to not tolerate, I tolerate. Jesus had compassion on them. He said, the harvest is, is plentiful. The workers are few. I don't, want to, I don't want that to be the case here. Amen? I believe we've got 50-something active members right now, and that we are the foundation of this church. Say this to your neighbor. Say, you are the foundation of this church. God has been working on you. You can tell him that, too. Go ahead. Some of you have been wanting to tell your husband or your wife that for a long time. But you're also the builders of this church. You're the workers that Jesus was talking about. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. Pray to the Lord who's over the laborers. Who is that? That's Jesus. Pray to Jesus to send out more workers. It's not that we need more people to build this church. It's that we need the people we have right now to become the workers and to go all the way back to chapter 7 and do the will of God. Come on. That's what we need. We don't need any more programs. We don't need any more activities. We just need to preach the gospel in the area that God has given us. Your job is there for you to preach the gospel. Work hard so that your gospel can't be tarnished. Don't be a lazy bum sitting around the water cooler preaching the gospel thinking that you're doing everything right. No, you're not. You're being lazy and you're going to get fired. At least if you work for me, you will. But preach the gospel. Take every opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus. So what if they don't respond? It's not your responsibility to make them respond. It's your responsibility to speak. Amen? The, the, the routine of your life, the grocery store you go to, the gas station you go to, it, it, you might go to the gym, wherever you go, take advantage of every opportunity to preach the gospel. Don't preach at people. Speak to them. Don't stand up on the, on the, on the if you're in the gym, don't stand up on the bench press bench and say, let me tell you something about Jesus. People going to leave. Now, unless the Holy Ghost moves you to do that, then do that. Okay? But sometimes you, somebody, I've been in the gym before when somebody needs a, they need a, somebody to help them. A spotter. Thank you, Wally. They need a spotter. Says, hey, man, can you give me a spot? <laughs> sure. 
<laughs> captive audience. This dude's got 250 pounds, and he's struggling to get it up. He goes, hey, bro, let me tell you about Jesus. <laughs> I hadn't tried that one yet, but I hope it happens. I just hope I'm not the sucker on the end of the, uh, the weights. Just take every opportunity available. And I believe that as you start taking advantage of every opportunity that God gives you to tell somebody about Jesus, he's just going to increase those opportunities. And the funny thing is, is that, is that as you step out and do that, whether you get the right response or not, as you step out and do that, God is doing something in your heart. He's changing your heart. He's changing your eyes. He's helping you to see people differently. Amen? And then he increases the opportunity. So you take advantage of them. You take advantage. And then one day you might see somebody in the middle of the grocery store fall on their knees, repent, and give their life to Christ. Praise God. But all you got to do is tell them about Jesus. The very next verses after this, Jesus sends out the 12 apostles, and I want you to see this. Jesus called his 12 disciples together, chapter 10, verse 1, and gave them authority. Say authority. Do you know you have more authority than the president? That sounds really goofy, doesn't it? But it's really true. You have authority from God Almighty on this planet. The problem is, I believe we just don't use it. We want to walk under somebody else's authority. He gave them authority to do what? Watch this. Cast out evil spirits and heal every kind of disease and illness. And then he gives the names of, of the disciples. So he, he, he gave them this authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Then watch this. Skip down to verse Five, Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Then he gave them instructions. He said, don't go to, to, to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, go, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Very simple. Go announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. That's it. He gives further instructions about what else to do, but that's their message. Go and announce to God's people that the kingdom of heaven is near. So how can I make this simple for you? Just go and tell people about Jesus. Tell them about your experience. You know, I believe your life should be so much indwelled in so much of a light in this world that people should be coming to you asking you what is so different about you. People shouldn't have to guess if you're a believer or not or wonder. You know, so-and-so, are they one of those Jesus people? You know, is, are they one of those that they just kind of don't drink anymore? You follow what I'm saying? Your life should be so impactful that wherever you go, people should say, man, there's something different about them. They should see your marriage and say, there's something different about that. They should see your children and say, there's something different about that. And they should one day come up and say, what makes you so different? Your family members should see a change in you. 
That's a good one, huh? Kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cut and cast out demons. And watch this last verse. He says, give as freely as you have received. You know what that says to me? That says, how dare you box up and put in storage what God has done for you and not give it away to anybody else? How dare you? How dare you worry about your reputation instead of witnessing to somebody? How dare you worry about your own finances instead of helping somebody else who's really struggling? I might have to take this out of my savings. Oh, my God. How dare you? Jesus said, freely give. Just as you received it, you received it with no price. You received it, freely give it. Don't you want people to experience what you've experienced? Don't you want other people to have the hope inside of them that you have in you? The thing that makes me sick is that when I keep getting around the same family members that don't want to change and they're just the same all the time, I'm either going to witness to them out of frustration or it's going to eventually be out of love. Are you with me? But I want them to see that there's hope. I want them to see that there's something different. Give freely as you have received freely. Amen. Finally, let's go to Matthew chapter 28. You ought to be able to quote that verse. The question is, is can you obey that verse? Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Actually, 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus said to go make disciples. First thing he told them was, come follow me, I'll make you fishes of men. The last thing he said to them was, go make disciples. Basically the same thing. Go preach the gospel, see people get saved, teach them how to live a life that pleases God, and then teach them how to fish for other men. It's simple, right? If we'll just lay down our, our reputation, if we'll lay down our pride, our selfishness, and our hard-heartedness towards people who are suffering. Amen? Reach out. In the, only, in the area that God has given you, reach out. That's all you're responsible for. Most of you will never leave Eunice to go preach the gospel. That's fine. Preach the gospel here, amen? So who's responsible for building the church? Who? And how are we going to do it? We're going to go. Miss Mary, I'm going to brag on you for a second. You know what I love about Miss Mary? You started preaching, so I'm going to call you out now. What I love about Miss Mary is that she, she lives in the Iota Manor. And that's her region. Right, Miss Mary? 
That's her region. So this morning I sat down. She calls me from time to time wanting to pray for so, s- certain people who are going through things or to tell me that she witnessed to the, to the young drug dealer and a couple hours later he was killed. Met him in the laundry, am I right? Met him in the laundry, the laundromat at the, at the Iota Manor and she preached the gospel to him and he gave his life to Christ and a couple hours later he was killed. Miss Mary understands where her region is. She understands that that's her territory that God has given her. So she takes advantage of every opportunity to be a witness, to tell somebody about Jesus, to give them hope, to give them encouragement. And she calls in other people, hey, can you help me pray for this person? Why can't we be like that? If Ms. Mary ever does anything to me, she inspires me. And convicts me. And challenges me, right, Rose? But how about we all take care of our own region? Can we do that? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this word. We thank you that, Lord, it's our call from you to do your will for our lives. And, Father, it's our responsibility to build this church, Lord. Help us to be bold witnesses, to hear your, to hear your Holy Spirit speaking, to, to have some spiritual discernment, Lord. And Father, go with the authority that you've given us, with power under control, and be a witness to this region, Lord. Help us to touch this region. Lord, we call in the lost, the lost sheep, Father. We call them in right now. Come from the north, the south, the east, and the west. We call you, come forth. Lord, I pray for this church. Give us opportunities to share your goodness. Lord, help us not to be religious, not to be flaky or fake, Lord, but just help us to be real. And help us to just really share your gospel in some of the most simplest and real ways, Lord. And help us to love people, Father. Increase our compassion. Every person in here, Lord, increase their compassion for the lost sheep, Lord. Help us to all take on the responsibility of a shepherd or a pastor. Help us to see people like you do, Jesus. We thank you for this morning. And we thank you for changing our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And one announcement to make. Pastor Cletty Keith is going to be here July 1st in Jennings. July 1st. It's a Sunday night service in Jennings at 6 o'clock. I strongly encourage you to be there. He's a, he's a wild, radical man of God. He, he walks in the authority of God. And who knows what we're going to see. And seriously. So I strongly encourage you to be there. So say that with me. Say July 1st, Sunday night at 6, in Jennings. Get together, carpool with somebody, spend some time with somebody that you haven't spent time with. Build a relationship inside this church. Amen. Can you stand up with me this morning? Lord, I pray you bless every person in this room. That, Father, everything we do and say would bring honor and glory to your name. And that, Lord, you would just be with us, lead us, and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you. God bless you. Have a great week.